Covered in Glory is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it, must be 21 years or older. of Covered in Glory, where Brett, the entire world is talking about the big game. And like that, of course, I mean, Luton versus Sheffield United. How can any moment pass where you have a conversation that's not involve these two powerhouses meeting to try to avoid relegation? Is there anything else happening in sports this week? I certainly haven't heard of it. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to think of uh, if any famous musicians are dating any Luton Town players. I mean, it's like, what is like Rita Ora doing? I don't know. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, uh, there, there's clearly a lot going on this week. Um, a lot of, uh, we've been on trendy with all our prop bets for the Super Bowl, but we are, I, I'm happy that we can provide a detour here because you can't overthink Super Bowl things. So we're going to give you a little bit of a break. We're going to go to the other football and we're going to try to like, take your mind off those Christopher McCaffrey bets just for a little bit here, I think. Yeah, and I've also got to, like, think about that cinematic classic, The Day After Tomorrow. Like, on Monday, Americano football is going to be done, and you're going to need something to watch. You're going to need something to gamble on. You're going to need something to carry you through these cold months and then the hot months before uh, America's game comes back. And we have not just the Premier League. We have not just the Bundesliga top-of-the-table class that we're going to cover. There's a little thing called the Champions League, ladies and gentlemen. And if you like the Super Bowl for, uh, for us Americans, let me introduce you to the Super Bowl for the rest of the world. And it comes back on Tuesday. So before we get into this week's action, I wanted to take a very quick detour into the Champions League because it is the best soccer in the world. It is way better than the World Cup. It's even better than the domestic cup competitions because you're getting the best of the best down to the final 16. And on Tuesday and Wednesday, they're going to lace them up again. So, Brett, we decided we wanted to look at future odds for this tournament. Are you excited for the Champions League to make its return on Tuesday? I am definitely excited for the Champions League to make its return on Tuesday. The other thing, too, is I'm excited for us because I feel like you and I and everybody else that goes from football to football has this solved, right? You know, because we start in basically late August and then it goes into February. And right when regular NFL football ends in February, the Champions League knockout rounds go and they carry us all the way through May. Then we got international soccer. We got the Euros coming up in the summer. And then guess yep. what? It's August again, baby. So this is the, this is just getting excited because this is still like a bunch of people are going to turn off the TV after the Super Bowl is over. But you and I, we're just waiting for what, what Tuesday and Wednesday in the Champions League, man. Like and it the, doesn't end. The three or four weeks we have off, we have transfer rumors, and then we have baseball uh, strikeout bets for super random guys that I am uncannily <laughs> accurate at. So I've got a full 12 months here, as you've already pointed out. Yeah, no, and, and I think this Champions League is going to be really interesting because I think in a lot of years we were either having the narrative of is this going to be Manchester City's coronation or not this year? Are they going to finally do it? Uh, we lose a little bit of that. And, you know, as we'll talk about when we get into the odds, there's no real powerhouse team that I think you can count on. I mean, I think you can make the argument that one of the Champions League favorites is not currently in the Champions League because they finished fifth last year and they're playing in Europa and that's Liverpool. So yep. this is just going to be an interesting sort of wide open competition. And I'm actually kind of curious to see where your head's at with some of these Premier League teams and how they're going to fare in the, uh, in the Champions League now. 
Yeah, so let's let's not delay. Let's at least talk about the odds a little bit because the odds are what really matters here, right? Like, yes, it's easy to pick City, but do you want City at this number? So yeah. uh, City is the favorite. It's plus 185, followed by Bayern Munich at plus 425, Real Madrid at plus 550, Arsenal at plus 600, PSG at plus 1,200, Barcelona at plus 1,600, Inter Milan at plus 2,200, Borussia Dortmund at plus 2,800, Atletico at plus 2,800, I'll give you Napoli at plus 5,000. Everything after that is 7,500 or longer. You let me know if you want me to shout any other clubs out. But like, just think about that powerhouse roster I just, I just ran out. We basically invented study abroad just so we could talk about these other teams once every <laughs> five or six weeks. And they're in the exact same tournament here. And it, it does make its return on Tuesday. So I think let's start at the top. You're getting City at less than two to one. You're going to get plus 185. Clear powerhouse. Clearly the best uh, club in the world, but also it is a knockout competition. And that has been true of them for what, the last five or six years, maybe seven, they've been the best club in the world and they've only got the one title to show for it. So at plus 185, are you backing the boys in sky blue or are you looking at the rest of the field? Absolutely not. Uh, I This is definitely looking at the rest of the field. I think this is probably one of the weakest iterations of city that we've seen now that uh, now again kevin bruyne coming back still figuring out what kevin bruyne is going to be could change that equation quickly i'm a little i'm not necessarily skeptical but i mean kdb's got a lot of miles on his legs is he going to be able to stay healthy is he going to be the same player is he going to be able to create the same chances after this injury layoff after all the miles on his legs i'm not so sure and if he's not we are definitely getting a downgraded version of Manchester City, which would make me want to lean towards the field. They don't even have the they don't have the best odds for me of a Premier League team in the competition. Arsenal at plus six hundred is the one that I really first eyeball. Yeah. So first of all, you sound like an Everton fan who's hoping did not catch it in the face this weekend, but we'll get to that game here in about 15, 20 minutes. Uh, but I agree with you on Arsenal. So I like uh, Arsenal is one of like the two or three teams that immediately jumped off the page to me. And it's simple, but it's because in knockout tournaments, more than like the Premier League, where you're playing 38 games, you're only playing two legs home and away, and defense absolutely travels in knockout tournaments. And Arsenal's defense right now is so stifling, so incredible. They just they uh, flustered the hell out of this powerhouse Liverpool team over the weekend. Last three games, I think combined, the XG is barely over one goal over three games against pretty decent opponents. And in knockout tournaments, this matters, right? Like an offense can go cold for one day, and you can lose 1-0 and be out. Uh, but in defense, if you're holding the team to zero on the other side, the only way you can ever go out is on PKs. And I like your team to get, I like that team to get at least one goal. I've seen Chelsea win the tournament twice this way. Why can't Arsenal do it once? Yeah. I mean, I was going to say, I, I, for both of us, I think we're probably influenced a little bit by the Tommy Tuchel squad. That was an absolute bear defensively. And I mean, to kind of put the numbers behind what you were saying with Arsenal's ability to prevent goals and good shots. They are third among the big five leagues uh, with 17.5 expected goals against them. Uh, and that's in 23 matches. Uh, Bayern Munich lead the big five leagues at 16, but that's only in 20. <laughs> so this yeah. is this is elite. Like this is best defense in the world, probably when you when you, especially when you factor in the quality of the Premier League. Yes. There are Sheffields and Luton Towns and teams that we make fun of on here, but there's also some of the other best club 
top 15, 20 clubs in the world reside in the Premier League. Uh, whereas in the Bundesliga, there's like three good teams and then that's about it. Uh, so that to me just kind of boosts them up a little bit. And I think you're right. I think the ability to suppress chances in the long haul, you want to have higher variance, you know, the long 38 game season in the Premier League, higher variance, more goals, gives you more upside to obtain more points. But you nailed it on the head. In the knockout round, suppressing chances typically will probably give you your best bet to go ahead and advance. Uh, just because, again, if teams aren't shooting at your goal or taking good shots from good locations, they have to get really, really lucky to beat you. It was probably the kiss of death for the Gooners, but I also like their draw in the round of 16. Uh, they are got Porto, and they open at Porto. Then they have the second game at the Emirates. So I like their odds to advance. So I'm not afraid to bet them now versus wanting to wait to see what happens in the 16. The team that I think is benefiting from the 16 draw in terms of the odds is Inter. Like Inter has been excellent in these cups. They've got uh, several deep runs, including all the way to the finals. And they're at plus 2,200 right now. And I guess part of that is because they have, you know, a decent, uh, decently tough draw in Atletico um, in, in this round of 16. Because if they get by Atletico, and I think they are the superior squad over two legs, I do expect them to win that tie. They're going to drop to like plus 700, plus 800 really fast because of their experience, because of Latara Martinez, because of their deep cup runs recently. And they're a team that if you like them at all, now is the time to get them because those odds are going to drop precipitously here in about three weeks. That is my best bet. Uh, you and I are exactly on the same page, <laughs> apparently looking at the same teams. Um, we're basically the same person. Sorry to say that for you, Toby. Uh, but no, I, I, I <laughs> thank you for that disgusted sound in the background. Um, no, I, you are 100% correct. I mean, look, if, on the balance of chances, they should have won the Champions League last year. If it wasn't for my guy, Ederson, who I maligned all season for being a poor shot stopper, literally having the game of his life. They were they were going to be hosting that trophy last year, um, and they they basically I think they've upgraded. You know they they were still rolling out Jeco, and now they have Marcus Ram running alongside Martinez, as you mentioned. Um, they do some interesting stuff. They they sub their forwards, they sub their wingbacks. They can get really aggressive with their midfielders getting into the box and creating problems. They play a lot of more attacking midfielders or kind of all around guys like Barella. And this is a this is a good. Team, this is a really, really good team. They'd be a top three or four team very easily in the Premier League. Uh, Italy, I think the the flack maybe or maybe the odds. I, I think you're right. I think they're being inflated by this draw. But but I mean, I'm gonna put this bluntly. I'm gonna give them the kiss of death right here. Atletico is not in the same tier of this team. And I think any model that is waiting this draw and putting inners odds, suppressing inners odds because they might think they might not get past Atletico, which, yeah, sure, it's a knockout round. Atletico could advance, but this is these teams are on two different levels. And so if they're getting if you're getting a price break for that, absolutely jump on this number. So another team, Brent, that's worth mentioning because like you think about American fans, right? They're looking at the Super Bowl this weekend and they're basically like, okay, which team has Patrick Mahomes? That's the team I'm going to back because he's the best player in football. Therefore, he's going to win the Super Bowl. So why not PSG? Like if Mbappe is the best player in this tournament with Messi playing in America, no longer eligible for the Champions League, it's basically Mbappe or Holland. We already covered Manchester City. PSG at plus 1,200 with arguably, you know, the best player in the tournament why do they not get any love from either of us uh i think it's uh, for me it's a couple of things one 
the way that Mbappe might be the best player in the world right now is a lot different from the way that Messi was. Mbappe is very Ronaldo-esque. A lot of his value comes from what he does in front of the goal. We're using his athleticism to get into spaces, to get shots off. I mean, he averages like five shots a match, I think, in uh, Ligue 1. And this is, he's just a goal-scoring, shot-creating machine. Messi, even in his later peak years, literally did everything. He passed the ball forward. He dribbled the ball forward. He created chances. He scored chances. He did everything for his teams all the time. So when you talk about a player that elevates, that is the type of guy that you I, I think is the kind of the fair comparison for the Mahomes thing. I guess Mbappe would be like, McCaffrey or Tyreek Hill. I don't know. I'm trying to figure out where I am in this analogy right now, but he definitely has a different game that I don't, I think is more reliant on teammates needing to come up behind him. And PSG has not been impressive in the league this year. They have like the eighth expected goal differential in the big five leagues and league is down. Like this is not a good team. Like even the, the battles that they used to have with Lille, that's not happening this year. So the fact that they're not even over one expected goal difference per 90 in a down league leads me to be very skeptical. And then the final piece is Mbappe is basically like, I'm going to Madrid. So see you yeah. guys later. I mean, if they're down in the second leg, do you think that that dude's going to really care? He's already on his way out. Well, speaking of Madrid, like you can make an argument that the best bet you can make in the Champions League is just pick Madrid blindly at the beginning yes, of every year, single yeah. year. You're going to win it like every third year because of their incredible history in this competition. So at plus 550, should we just be applying that strategy? Like once they make it to the round of 16, if they're five to one, six to one, is that just a blind bet? Because they're going to win it one every five times. I mean, God, they... They are the most ridiculous, absurd team in the Champions League. They have, it's kind of like, you know, when baseball got, um, you know, really into it's just numbers, it's finding market inefficiency and things like that. And there are some studies done about like the intangibles, like how much do intangibles mean? And Madrid is like one of those teams that you're looking at, like the way that I think it was like Carlos Beltran when he got brought on to one of those first Astros teams that won, they're talking about how you can measure an impact of something like that. And the way that Madrid seem to respond in these high leverage moments is something that my spreadsheets or anybody's spreadsheets don't seem to be able to capture. And so it is interesting to kind of be like, well, you know, they just tend to do something somehow, some way there's a connective tissue, a chemistry within this team. You know, the, the big thing for me is that part of the chemistry of that team was Kareem Benzema, who was their salt work for a long time. And he is not there anymore. The it's hard for me to say, this is going to be the same Madrid team that can conjure magic out of nothing. When basically their only two attackers right now are Rodrigo and Vinicius jr. Uh, Vinicius yeah. jr. Who, by the way, plays in the same area of the pitch that Kylian Mbappe is coming into play at. So yeah. I think with Bellingham, it, you know, he's run hot and he has made us question who is the best soccer player in the world right now, but he also isn't Benzema. He isn't the guy that can 
get in the final third and really like get you a goal. Like he's an all around midfielder that's run hot scoring goals. He's had some really clutch moments this year. I think we talked about the big union Berlin goal kind of at the depth that he came in and scored for him. So maybe he can capture some of that attacking magic that they have had, but this just doesn't feel like the same Madrid team to me. And they haven't really been that good in La Liga either. So there's a lot of reasons to think this isn't their year, but then then again, you can just throw it out the window because there's some wizardry that seems to go on with them and they always seem to push people at the right times. That's right. And uh, Caesars has a couple of fun bets here, Brett. So just before we wrap it up and get to this weekend's action, um, you can you don't have to bet on the winner. You could bet to just reach the final. And that's where Inter at plus 1,000, I think, is outstanding value. Oh, yeah. Like, I think I think Inter at plus 1,000, you want to bet that now. I think all the rest of these teams, like Man City at minus 105, Byron at plus 160, Real at plus 210, you could probably get that next round. So why bet it now? But Inter at plus 1,000 to make the finals, I think, is the best bet uh, on Caesars right now. Here's the one I want to throw at you. Very last one. England, nationality of winner. So you get uh, you get uh, Arsenal and you get City plus 100. So England versus the field, which would you take? Oh, man. I think if you had to, to make me rank one and two, I would probably say my one and two would be City and Arsenal. And so you're getting even money for your one and two. I think you kind of have to... Feel like there's value there. Um, I'm yeah. not. I mean, uh, th- that's just me. That's my rankings. I there's always a Bundesliga tax for me. Uh, the La Liga teams have not been as strong this year. We just talked about PSG. So for me, it's it's City Arsenal. That's the if you're ranking one to sixteen and you're getting even money for it, you probably got to put a little something on that. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what the reverse of a tax is. Like, how many All England finals do we have to see before we just bet on England to win this tournament? Like, the yeah. teams that come through the gauntlet of the Premier League are so steeled when it comes to this versus, like, you know, going through League One or going through the Bundesliga in most years. They're just like hard to turn on on Tuesday and Wednesday nights once every like three weeks when you're not like at top form because you're being pushed to your limits each and every weekend. Yeah, and I mean, you know, this is this is probably something that's a result of what we've we know has been happening in the sport, right? Like the money is just more prevalent in the Premier League, so therefore it's a stronger league with stronger teams. Teams in France and Germany and Spain and Italy have all suffered from that, so you get that suction away, and those teams just end up being stronger. And maybe the books aren't really pricing in that effect fully yet, so. Yeah, I mean, it's hard for me to say you give me the top two two favorites to win this competition, in my opinion, um, and you get even money for it. Like, I don't it's really hard for me to say no to that. <laughs> yeah, I like that bet quite a lot as well. So I will be placing that. And it's also weird because like this is the first time that you actually as a fan of other teams in the Premier League, you actually have to root for the teams in the Premier League because of the new cohort analysis. Like if we have an all England final the fifth team in the Premier League is going to be a Champions League team next year. Yeah. And that just helps helps the league continue to hold its place. And so most time I don't want to see a rival win it because I don't want to see them get glory nor cash uh, that they can be used against Chelsea. But now it's in Chelsea's interest for them to advance as far as possible so that the Premier League can send a fifth team. Yeah, well, and I think retroactively we wish that was the case because we'd love to see Liverpool in this competition, given that they're you know the one of the front runners in the Premier League right now. So yeah, it's 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 gonna be an interesting dynamic. I think this is gonna be I, I hope I'm not jinxing it, but I do think this is gonna be maybe not in the round of 16, but definitely from eight on, one of the most volatile crazy uh, champions leagues that we're going to ever witness just because of how open it feels right now. 
Um, yeah. So I'm really, really excited to see what comes up here. Like, that's why I'm not even going to have shed a single tear about the NFL being over. I am going to be full steam ahead watching these matches. Football is dead on Sunday. Long live football on Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's uh, give Caesars a little bit of love here. Come back and cover this week's action. You know, when the conversation turns stampers, I always go with my number one as Caesars. Let's talk about them a little bit, shall we? Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace. All this can be yours when you bet with Caesars Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns rewards credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, register using this code. Listen up. Omaha full. The word Omaha and the word full. And then you place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great. If you keep those winnings, but if you lose, you'll get your stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and over only. Offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. New users and first $10 plus wager only. Must register with eligible promo code. Bet amount of qualifying wager. Returned only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet, $1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start gambling problem. Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Massachusetts, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit GamblingHelplineMA.org. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER or West Virginia, 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. 
right, Brett, let's get out of the futures and get into the here and now and uh, get into this weekend's action. We are sitting on the bench this week because none of the top six are playing each other. We are sitting out Chelsea, even though that Aston Villa game suddenly brought a little bit of hope back into my life. Uh, we also are sitting out Liverpool because life is too short to watch Burnley. But we have four other games to get into, and then we are going to do study abroad down into Germany. Let us just do these in chronological order. So we are going to start with Manchester City, second at 49 points. Versus Everton, 18th and 19 points. This is the game in the morning on Saturday. You got to wake up early, 7.30 a.m. Eastern. But that means by lunchtime, if Manchester City wins this game, they will be back on top of the table. Now, City is minus 475. Everton is plus 1,100. Caesar says the draw at plus 550. Caesar says adjusted the line on the goal and a half to minus 160. And Everton, to keep it close, at plus 125. So you were throwing some shots at City at the beginning, which I was a little bit surprised to hear, Brett. Like, I was watching that game last week, and while the goalkeeper – Flecken was outrageously good. I thought that it was awesome to watch Foden get a hat trick because his movement is absolutely next level. The guy is always active, always in dangerous spaces. And all of a sudden with Haaland and KDB back, uh, people can't keep track of everybody. And he found himself in great positions to score and he kept converting. I also thought with Haaland and KDB playing deep into the games, that's a great sign for their health. These aren't just 30 minute cameos or 45 minute halves. Like they're getting into the 80 minutes now. Haaland didn't look a hundred percent, but at 80, 80%, he was a big enough distraction. I think he'll be back to 100% soon. So with KDB flicking like crazy passes, as he always does, that, that flick over the top of the left halfback was outrageous. Uh, he looks great on the ball. With Holland coming back into form, with secondary forces like Alvarez and Foden converting like crazy, with Doku and Grealish available to come off the bench to throw yet another uh, amazing attack look on people at the second half, yeah, you're down on them. So explain yourself. <laughs> I'm not necessarily I'm I'm down on them in relative city terms, right? Like we grade them on a completely different curve than we grade every other team. And in when terms of grading them against the past iterations of themselves, which would be grading them against some of the best teams of all time, I'm a little more skeptical and the reason being is the hallmark really, I mean, we, we've talked about the great strikers, Haaland, Aguero, all these all these um, goal-scoring records and point-shattering records that they've had. But at the heart of the City's success has always been their ability and Pep's like crazed uh, philosophy of trying to pre prevent and prevent uh, suppress shots. His whole philosophy is no counterattacks. And basically, if he could score a goal and then keep the ball for the rest of the match, that is how Pep Guardiola would want to play soccer. Um, and so that's that's been concerning to me as of late because starting with their game against Red Star, which again, it's a little bit cheating because they rotated a lot of guys out, but they have allowed over one XG in all but one of the seven matches since then. And that was only against Sheffield United, who is, by my money, the worst team in the Premier League this year. And that that is shocking to see City allow over a, a, a goal's worth of chances in matches because their whole thing, if you go back and listen to me pick City clean sheet wins for the last two or three years that we've done this, has been always me saying they haven't allowed over a goal's worth of chances in seven matches, eight matches, nine matches, however many you want to count. Now they're actually allowing those shots. And part of it, it sort of makes sense. They've When they transitioned from Fernandinho to kind of Kyle Walker being their stopper, you know, Kyle Walker's 33. 
And he just like, I've seen it. I've seen the announcers be like, oh, there's Kyle Walker and his blazing pace able to recover and snuff that counterattack out. And I'd watch that play and I'm like, yeah, that's not, that's not blazing Kyle Walker anymore. Like you, you are, you are, you are referring to 2021, 2020 Kyle Walker, not 33 year old 2024 Kyle Walker anymore. And so I think that kind of makes sense is they haven't really replaced that guy that sort of eats up that space that kind of stops those counters and Newcastle shredded him with that in that match. And I'm, I'm not so much worried about maybe what Everton's going to do in terms of piling on a bunch of goals, but I am sort of skeptical of their long-term outlook because if, if they start allowing goals, this, we're going to be seeing a totally different type of city team. It's going to have to start winning shootouts and getting away from the way that Pep wants to play and if they get into that mode, the health of KDB and Holland become paramount. They could withstand those guys being out if they were just suppressing shots and allowing like half a goal's worth of chances every match. If they're allowing goal's worth of chances and, and so on, they're going to be more ripe to lose points and get upset here. I don't know, pal. This seems like very talky, talking heady of you because like we did Premier League Futures three weeks ago and we both agreed that over a course of 38 games, it seemed like somewhat inevitable that City was going to win this as they returned to health. And now they've returned to health. Now they're like cranking out these victories. Now they're on this imperious form. They look like the best side, at least in the league, if not in the world, I think probably the world. And all of a sudden we're nitpicking them and saying, okay, well, I don't think that they're going to be able to, uh, to win the Champions League or maybe even cover this game versus ever. I'm still long on them. I love what I'm seeing from them. I think that everything you said can be correct, but I also think the first thing you said was the most important, that you're judging them on the city scale. And yes, they might not be the same team they were two years ago, but I think they're still the best team in the world, and Everton is not. So give me them on the adjusted total at minus one and a half and minus 160 this weekend. Yeah, and I mean, I'm I'm taking them on the adjusted line too, but this is where I'm going to kind of take what I was just talking about and put it into actionable betting. It's I'm going to take the over of three and a half goals at plus one fifteen because they have they Everton has started to get very leaky at the back, and they're okay at generating chances. So that bet is basically like if Everton can notch a goal, City can pour on three, and you're getting plus money for it. I absolutely see that the case because I also see ranges of scoreline in this matches of three, two, four, three, because Everton are really good at set pieces. Branthwaite yes. and Tarkovsky are monsters. I mean, Branthwaite's like six, five, um, you know, he scored the goal the last week. It kind of, that goal also kind of overly inflated their single game XG against Spurs, but they are, they are, this is like classic Sean Dyshball, and they are really a bad match for the way if Kyle Walker's wheels are starting to fall off, they are direct attacking set piece monsters. That is an easy way to nick goals against the city team. We are going to get to Spurs and their set piece defending here in just a minute, but everything <laughs> did look great on them uh, over the last weekend. I'm playing something in a similar vein that I think is an even better value. Uh, one reason that Chelsea is out this week is I'm just tired of you using Cole Palmer, first goal scorer against me to beat me in the five pint. But I still have my favorite five pint bet available to me, which is City win and both score. 
I played it last week. I'm playing it again this week. Why wouldn't I? Uh, it's plus 175, which is a tremendous number given all the range of outcomes that that uh, this covers. Everton set piece goal, Everton consolation goal, Everton counter goal. And I do think City's not going to be held under two. So I, I love City to win this. And rather than play the adjusted at minus 165, I'd rather think they're going to leak one at plus 175, especially when you consider that in the league, they only have one clean sheet in their last dozen games, Brett. Yeah, I mean, again, we're, we're we're basically speaking the same language in terms of that stuff. Plus, I mean, again, I I, I can't say that I'm watching every single match, uh, but Everton games just have a weird way of going off the rails. Um, at yeah. least this year, at least every one that I've really sat and focused on, I will admit that as an Everton fan, if there's a more important match going on, I will put them on the phone one, and then I will have the main True one blue. on the TV. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, there's been a couple of, of really crazy Everton matches this year, and I think they, of all teams, especially with their desperation too, with the point deduction to try to avoid relegation, you know, with that hanging over their or with that hanging over their head, with them pushing pushing them down, and Luton Town winning, you're getting a very desperate Everton team on top of the craziness that we've already seen from them, and. And, and again, with their set piece dominance, and I think the analyst who uses OptiData has them as like second or third in terms of overall shots created off of set piece situations. They're they're a threat to score. Like that's the great thing about data and analytics and soccer is like they those people have been pushing getting better at set pieces for these clubs as a way to attack an inefficiency in the sport. And Everton's whether they're doing it intentionally or on accident, they're doing that. And because they're not great in open play, it has boosted their attack immensely. Well, let's get over to that Spurs game now. Uh, Everton's <laughs> tormentor from last week, 2-2 draw, and now they have Brighton coming up. So Spurs are fifth at 44 points. Brighton is eighth at 35 points. This game is Saturday at 10 a.m. Spurs are minus 120. Brighton is plus 280. The draw is plus 300. Spurs minus half a goal is minus 125. Brighton on the double chance is minus 105. So you keep saying you're an Everton fan, but we both know that's a lie. You converted to Brighton, which explains why they are tanking immensely ever since you put your own personal stink on them. That has nothing to do with me. You gave Everton a 10-point deduction. You moved over to Brighton, and now they look like all of a sudden they've gone from the bright spot of the league to a team that could give up five to six goals to anybody at any time. And speaking of goals, Brett, like last weekend had 45 goals. It was one of the highest-scoring wow. weekends, I think, in the, in the history of the Premier League. And I couldn't get over how many goals they were flying in and how many horrible kits were kicking them. None of them were worse than the Spurs. That Spurs kit was horrific. And I know it was horrific because from the opening kickoff, and I'm not sure I've ever seen this, from the opening kickoff, the very reserved British commentators, instead of talking about the action, they got their own shots off at the kit that Tottenham was wearing. They couldn't even let the ball get over the line for the first time before they were taking shots at it. What the hell were they wearing? You know, it's in preparation for the show. I always go back and I try to catch certain parts of highlights so I can kind of remember how some things happen, you know, and and consume some games. And I was, you know, I go into YouTube and I type in, you know, Everton Spurs highlights. And I kind of, and one of the pictures of the Spurs player, and I like, I like had to do a double take and be like, did they label the video wrong? Like, what is this kit? <laughs> so <laughs> so I'm, like, I'm like, is this like a weird, like, am I watching like a youth soccer team that called themselves the Spurs? <laughs> like, what's going on here? So, yeah. yeah. I, 
I mean, I think I think we all have to band together here and as a collective stop buying any new kits like this. Like I'm going to I want us to track down the people that are like, yeah, I want that new Spurs kit they wore against Everton. So it stops being profitable for them to trot out these new kits. Give me classics. That, that kit would have been too dull for a prison uniform. Like even in prison, you would expect it to look better than that. That was horrible. But anyway, speaking of 45 goals, I mean, Brighton had five goals last week, 4-1 against Crystal Palace, four goals in this Everton-Tottenham match. Uh, the reverse fixture here, Brighton won 4-2. So before we even pick a side, like, are we? can we agree we're both playing the over? Like over three and a half and plus 100 is like an auto bet for these two teams right now? Uh, I mean, I'm always interested in an over. I have a version of an over bet in this match. Um, I'm not doing the straight over, but yes, I have a version of the over bet in this match. The one thing that uh, um, I'm interested in too with Brighton is th these bets, all my Brighton bets are contingent on one thing. You, you mentioned, well, it is true that everything I touch dies. Uh, one of the reasons that Brighton is struggling has actually nothing to do with me. And it's the fact that, that Deserby sort of, you know, because he's forced to, trots out a lot of starting 11s that have Pascal Gross, Billy Gilmore, and James Milner all in it. And in a lot of those matches, Brighton gets worked. Shocker. <laughs> and yeah. one of the other data points that I've pulled from that is one of the reasons that I think Caicedo hasn't seemed to appear to have the same value for Chelsea that he did for Brighton is Brighton kind of used him to tie together a lot of more immobile skill players like Gross, like Adam Lallana, that they were forced into playing because they did some things with the ball at their feet, but couldn't cover ground. And what does Caicedo do more better than anything else that he does? He covers a ton of ground. And Deserby is kind of playing like he still has Caicedo out there. And he absolutely does not have Caicedo out there. Billy Gilmore and Caicedo could not be more different of players. Um, so that's part of the reason why I think we've seen these like crazy goal spikes um, with Brighton. And then kind of to go into the Brighton bets, obviously we have all the reasons that you love to pick on Spurs for with the high line. But Chelsea, the youth legend, Tyree Glampty has reemerged and appeared as a wingback recently yeah. and they've gone to a back three. So I'm, I'm actually curious to see how that's going to work. That structure with the Zerbe kind of using a back three and Lamptey, when he first came over to Brighton, I don't know if you remember that. I'm sure you do as a Chelsea fan. Everybody's like, this is a crazy great signing. Like this kid's going to be yeah. amazing. And then he just had hamstring injuries for like a year and a half. Now he's kind of back. I'm very curious to see what he's going to do for them. But in the game itself, uh, this is like a classic any three outcome game. Like if you yeah. going into it, like Spurs, Brighton, or the draw, I think are fairly equally likely. And I'm getting two of the three outcomes by backing Brighton. So like this isn't just like a fade Spurs opportunity here. This is like if chaos is going to rain and there's going to be five or six goals, it can land anywhere. So why not get basically even money at minus 105 to get two outcomes instead of just one? Yeah, I I took that same logic, but I I was a little bit more of a gunslinger here, and I took Brighton at the at the money line at the plus two ninety. So I'm I'm all the way there because, like you said, if any outcome can happen, I don't see how it's basically almost three to one. You're getting almost three to one for Brighton to win this match, and I do think that the Madison effect is real, but it doesn't probably mean that this team is that far of a gap that they're almost a three to one dog to Spurs, even with Madison back. So the money line was just too tempting. Plus one of the other things 
is the year that Brighton, I think they finished like 14th or 15th, but they they had, it was, you know, everybody's talking about they had like the fourth or fifth best underlying numbers in the league that year in terms of expected goals and had a bunch of other really impressive stats. They just got very unlucky. They had a back three of Ben White, Adam Webster, um, and Lewis Dunk. And what that back three did, and this is before the emergence of Caicedo, this was the, before the emergence of McAllister, but what that back three did was it kind of acted as like, a camouflage for the fact their midfielders weren't the ones doing the passing because we've seen Ben White at Arsenal like that dude can pick a pass Adam Webster the reason he came up from Barnsley was because he could progress the ball Lewis Dunk has always been pretty good with the ball at his feet they're going back to a version of that now and I think it's actually going to really help them camouflage the fact that they're a their midfielders can't move and b that their midfielders aren't necessarily going to be like progressive passing machines so I'm really curious to see how this switch to a back three does for their attack because they they did it against Luton Town and they got wrecked. But guess which trio was on the pitch in Luton Town that wasn't on the one that smashed Crystal Palace? Gilmore, Milnor, and, and Gross all played against Luton Town. Only two of the three did against uh, Crystal Palace, and you had a completely different result. So my money line Brighton bet is 100% contingent for anybody that actually bets it on the fact that those three are not all in the starting 11. I don't care if they're playing a back three or not. I can't have all those guys in the pitch at the same time. Yeah, that's a fair caveat for sure. Now, Brett, it is Super Bowl week, so I'm spending more time on the Caesars app uh, than normal, looking at all the props, looking at all the juicy action. If I'm spending time on the apps, you know where eventually my wandering eye is going to land. It is going to land on a cornerback. <laughs> corner man i don't do it every week but what i do it tends to hit this is the uh this is the last time since they played brighton in late december these are the total corners in spurs games they have given up four one well, total so not just giving up uh 14 in the everton match only eight in brentford then 16 against city 21 against united 11 against burnley 17 against Bournemouth, and 13 in that brighton game only one of those is is under 10 and a half. So give me the over at only minus 105. This seems like a gift that I'm going to give myself. Yeah. I mean, we've had a lot of weird covered and glorious. It's, it feels like it's been like a couple of months since we've got a Toby corner bet. And this is the one, one time, usually, you know, as someone who gets told they have a face made for radio, the one time I wish that we were all YouTube because I was able to sing along with your corner bet. <laughs> the greatest joys of being on the show is when I know the setup is coming, when I when I sense the cadence and the spurs are involved, I can sing right along with it. Well, the other reason I really love it is it dovetails nicely with the over because they can't defend set pieces. So if we're going to see like seven or eight Brighton corners, one of them is going in the back of the net and that gets you uh, closer to that three and a half. I think I think what that really means is you should use one of your five pint bets for a Lewis Dunk goal. That's what I really think it means. <laughs> well, I will be you haven't gone there. The corner. I've gotten you to move and put like a little bit crazier bets out there. I need you to get to the plus 900 anytime Lewis Dunk goal scorer bet. I need to see that at one point before the show would ever end. All right, let's get our ratings all the way down to zero so I make sure I'm not leading anybody into a Lewis Dunk bet, and then you got it, pal. All right. Uh, a couple more games here. We got West Ham seventh at 36 points versus Arsenal third at 49 points. This game is Sunday at 9 a.m. 
Arsenal is minus 180. West Ham is plus 450. The draw is plus 320. Arsenal minus half a goal is minus 170. Caesars has that West Ham double chance at plus 130. So uh, we spent a lot of time on the matchup last week, Brett. Does this look backwards for just one second? What were your thoughts on a shockingly sloppy Arsenal-Liverpool matchup? Uh, it was basically Liverpool was without three of their four best players. Um, and that was very noticeable <laughs> that Darwin didn't start and Mo was out of the game. Uh, and Sobasly was also gone. So for me, it was, you know, if you remove, um, you know, Saka from Arsenal and Odegaard from Arsenal and you play a match without him, it was kind of, I was more sort of bummed, you know, I, I, before on our show the week before too, I was sitting there like, yeah, Mo's saying he's going to play, you know? Um, and I think part of me was like, yeah, I want to see him out here in this big match, even though the head part of me even said on the show, they should hold him back. But I, I, I kind of just was sad that that wasn't the matchup that I was expecting to see. It was just Arsenal kicking the dog crap out of Liverpool for the majority of the match, uh, because they were down some of their best players. And that was, that was a bummer. But, um, you know, we got more matches to play. Hopefully there's going to be more heavyweight tilts. But, I mean, Arsenal was great. I, you cannot you cannot take away how good they were. Um, but you also have to kind of stick the caveat in that result with the fact that Liverpool was missing major, major contributors. And, and the ones that were playing were limited as well. So it's, uh, it's hard to really take too much away other than Arsenal hammered a team without their best players. Yeah, I mean, throw all the caveats in the world out there, but they beat the snot out of them. Like, that was a really impressive performance. Even the one goal they gave up was absolutely junk. Like, it was a bank shot off of that. Well, it was off Saliba's hand that ricocheted into the net. They think they kept their XG to, like, 0.4 against one of the best attacking sides of the world, even without uh, without Mo, who hasn't been playing for a while. They've been putting the ball in the back of the net and with regularity. And so I don't understand why they didn't play Nunez. I don't know what Klopp was thinking with that. I think he, he, had, a foot, so he had a foot injury coming into the match, I guess, uh, that they didn't really uh, report. So at oh, least that's, that's at least what the telecast, the TV told me that, that apparently he got stepped on. And part of the reason he didn't start was because of the fact that he was kind of nursing a foot injury. So... Oh, well, I'm glad I got my bet refunded at least. I didn't have to uh, to suffer that in indemnity. Um, for this particular match, we got West Ham, who I watched them versus United last week. I thought they looked really impotent. They're relying way too much on Suchek, and they're not taking proper advantage of Harry Maguire's heroic efforts to get West Ham on the score sheet. So if they can't even score against uh, that guy who appears to continue to just be aiding and abetting goals against Manchester United, I don't know what they're going to do against this Arsenal defense. So not only do I like Arsenal on the minus 180, I thought about adjusting it up, but I guess West Ham has hung tight in a couple of matches. I also really like Arsenal to do be a good team that does a good thing and win to nil at plus 165. Yeah, uh, West Ham are in a weird spot. So I think it was Rafa Benitez who famously kind of made the analogy of the, when you don't have a full complement of, uh, of players it's like having a bed sheet that if your head is cold, you pull it up over your head and your and your feet stay cold. And if you pull it down below your feet, your head stays cold. And right now, West Ham have a tough spot to be in. They just brought in Calvin Phillips because I'm sure even though David Moyes maybe isn't looking at this stuff, teams are just getting the ball into dangerous areas way too easy. And Calvin Phillips, part of the reason he came in is they're going to try to stop that probably with him and Alvarez playing together in like a double pivot with two pretty standard defensive midfielders, which will then move James Ward-Prowse into like a number 10 role. So you're getting really defensive 
with James Ward basically being played as like a supplementary attacker or kind of out wide as a winger if they put Suchek in front of him. And so I think that this is going to be the trade-off for this West Ham team. They're either going to have to figure out if they're going to be really good defensively or kind of play a more open style and get in these high-scoring matches by just playing three normal attackers and two midfielders, and or sorry, uh, four normal attackers. They usually play like a 4-2-3-1 and then two holding midfielders in front of them. Because James Wartouse is not a goal scoring number 10. Like this isn't some dude that's, you know, basically a shadow striker masquerading. I'm actually not sure what James Wartouse does in open play. That's a whole entirely different conversation. Um, but he's definitely not a number 10. And if you're going to push him up into kind of the attacking band of the pitch, it's going to really neuter a West Ham attack that wasn't that good to begin with. So you have to be basically hoping that Phillips and Alvarez are are just closing off the penalty area. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm very I was skeptical of this West Ham team to begin with, even when they got all the way up to fifth or sixth. I was worried about this, and I watched them against Sheffield. They looked terrible. Uh, United just smashed them. Like this is a team that I think is is kind of unfixable without maybe a new a whole transfer window and an overhaul of the squad. Yeah, so the taking Arsenal against the spread was a no-brainer for me, but the plus 165 number, I was staring at that number and I couldn't believe that it was real. How how is the best defensive team in the world plus 165? You remember when we used to bet United or uh, City clean sheets, Toby? We had to eventually take them at minus numbers against teams like West Ham. Now we're getting yeah. plus 165 for an Arsenal clean sheet win. I can you explain to me how that's possible? Well, I guess I mean the, the recent like crowning of them as the best defensive team in the world. It hasn't been true the entire season. I think they've really galvanized themselves in the last few weeks. Yes, they've been good throughout the year, but in the reverse fixture, West Ham beat them 2-0. So I think if we were looking at a squad that's been doing this since August that would be one thing, but I think that uh, just more recently they've kind of elevated themselves to their current standing. But I don't also know why you're arguing about taking a looking at gift horse in the mouth. And I think on your Calvin Phillips point, like Calvin Phillips caught a lot of strays this week for the turnover to lead to the go ahead goal last uh, last weekend. But Johnson didn't do him any favors whatsoever. Johnson wasn't under pressure and then plays a ball at his feet when he's got two men like crashing down on him. So I think Calvin Phillips. Uh, I don't think he's washed or anything like that. And a lot of the criticism he caught like should have been directed differently this weekend. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm agnostic on what Calvin Phillips is. I mean, he was, he played a pretty interesting role for Leeds. I think there was some Bielsa effect for the value that was created with how he, how he was utilized there. Um, but I, I, he's definitely not a guy that I look at that West Ham is bringing in that I think is going to solve their defensive issues. Like, you know, whether they, this team, the way that it's structured, the age of the squad and, and kind of the way that Moyes manages a little bit, I think is saw all a little bit outmoded. Um, and if they try to go with like an Alvarez Phillips double pivot with like sweet, uh, uh, so check as like a number 10 and war Prowse is like a winger. I am going to be just being like, Toby, can you loan me 20 grand? I promise I'm going to put it to good use. It's going to go on an Arsenal clean sheet bet. (laughs) 
Well, we can't talk about defensive issues without talking about Manchester United. So let's get to their game. This is probably the best game of the weekend, uh, at least in terms of um, how close they are on the table. And they're going against Aston Villa, fourth at 46 points versus Manchester United, sixth at 38 points. This game is Sunday at 1130 as you are still pre-gaming for the Super Bowl. Aston Villa is plus 110. Manchester United is plus 220. The draw is plus 270. Villa minus half a goal is plus 105. United on their double chance is minus 135. So watching uh, Villa in the most recent weeks, Brett, like it feels like their back-to-back wins over City and Arsenal were a million years ago, even though they were just in December. Are we seeing a team reverting to the mean a little bit? Like they're losing to Chelsea 3-1 for God's sakes in the cup midweek. I mean, how embarrassing is that? (laughs) Are are we seeing them like more in their their true colors or do you think we're to see a dip in form before we see them rise again? I first off, I just feel sad that you're using your own team. as like, uh, this is a warning sign that another team isn't performing very well. Um, welcome to being an Everton fan, by the way, I get this feeling all the time. (laughs) Um, but I, I mean, I don't know where you were, but I mean, weren't you sort of skeptical early on, even when we were, we saw them rise to the top, that this was a team that was pretty good. You know, they were built like in a way that made sense, but they were kind of playing above the sum of their parts. And it wasn't necessarily even like an indictment of them running hot against like expected goal totals or anything like that. It was just, they were just playing really, really well. And I did I don't think that this team, the level of talent, was matching the results both underlying and actual that were occurring. So I do think that that we are seeing a little bit of this is probably a team that that was destined to finish sixth through eighth if things had just kind of been normal throughout the year. That's in the top four rates now, but they're basically performing at a you know a top 10 team level. Um which to be Manchester United, I think is still doable if you're performing at top 10 level because Boy, talk about a team that's been outrunning their numbers and latching on to poor Kobe Mano as their savior. Um, that yeah. was a fun Twitter moment after his goal against Wolves. Uh, you could have convinced any United fan at that point that he was the next $100 million player and they would have agreed with you. And that's a lot of lot of hope for an 18-year-old that hasn't really done a whole lot. Well, I just watched them completely capitulate midweek on Wednesday against an uh, uh, average Chelsea team at home. Uh, so I feel, I mean, I hate to use the same logic twice in the same show, but I feel all three outcomes are are fairly likely here. Uh, so I'm going to take United on the double chance at minus 135. I don't feel great about it. I'm not suddenly like, oh, United is back and they're here to claim what's theirs. They're going to get one of those Champions League spots. But I do think Villa is circling down the wrong direction. And I need to see them have a, a get right game before they can get even a single cent of my money on the betting slip. Yeah, I mean, that's a, a probably a more prudent move than me just moving to the Villa money line because I stubbornly just fade United. Um, but I do think that this is going to be there are going to be goals in this match. And so I wanted to sort of hedge my bets in a way. And so I am going to take Rashford as an anytime goal scorer number at plus 260. The number isn't great if you look at its underlying performance. And I do think that there are ways that you can bet the middle, obviously ranges of score lines where you can bet bet the Villa money line and hit on a Rashford goal. But Rashford has been like getting on the ball a lot for United in dangerous areas, but it hasn't really 
come to the fruition in terms of shots and assists, I kind of feel like there's a disconnect there that maybe is going to help you with pricing that isn't great. I wanted to make him an any a first-time goal scorer, but because I think there's ranges of outcomes of three, two in here that I don't want to just try to pick which goal of the five is going to be scored first. Um, but this is my way of kind of hedging against picking a Villa team that's sliding is taking a Rashford anytime goal. So I'm, I'm less bullish on goals in this match. So the first thing I looked at was the under and the, on Caesars, the unders at three and a half, you have to pay a ton of juice for it at minus one eighty. So if I'm going to take, if I like the under, uh, and I just don't like the number. I moved over to both score no at plus one forty because, like, I'm I need to see it from Rashford. I feel the same way about him as I feel like Aston Villa. And I famously backed him for a huge stretch of goals last year, made me a lot of money. But as long as he's having these off the field controversies, as long as like he's even in the same paragraphs as Jaden Sancho and the arc that he carried at Manchester United, I'm not backing him on an anytime number, and I'm not backing anybody else. Fernandez is uh, keeps putting the ball in dangerous positions. Hoyland finally you know, like woke up and, and hit a really nice goal across the goalkeeper last time out. But uh, at a plus number at plus 140 and I see both one of these two teams that I think are playing subpar football right now versus their level in the first half of the year and I see one of them to not score I'm going to go ahead and take it yeah I mean that that's a perfectly fine bet uh I just haven't been able to kind of wrap my head around the fact that Villa play this static uh like or the static high line without a big press in front of it. Like they're not they're like if you're gonna play the high line that they play, you should be one of the most aggressive pressing teams in England. They are not. Now that to me is part of the reason what played into the Rashford bet. But the the flip side of that is it just induces more variance. So the fact that you're getting you know pretty decent odds for one of the teams not to score. If Villa is not a juggernaut, like Ollie Watkins has kind of played out of his mind for a stretch, he could easily crash back down to earth. And then you're losing Villa's most important and direct route to a goal. And if their high line holds up against United, there's the other side where you win that bet. So I actually really do like that one. This one, I mean, I'll be honest. This, I, I don't know if you found those bets easy to get to. I struggle prepping for this match. I could not find much that I liked. No, I of the four Premier League games, this is the one that I had to dig the deepest in the sheets and think through. So I, I yeah. we're aligned on that. But that's I'm glad that we're doing study abroad. I'm glad we're not just limiting ourselves to England because these are all like fairly good games. They're not, you know, we we threw out the Liverpool Burnley match, so these games should be competitive. But the very best game in world football is in Germany this weekend, and we will talk about it right after this break. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, Brett, let's get down to our study abroad segment. As I said earlier, we are heading to Germany, where we have the very top of the table clashing on Saturday at 12.30 p.m. on ESPN+. It is Leverkusen, first at 52 points, versus Bayern Munich, who for once in 11 years is not currently leading the uh, the Bundesliga. They are second 
but at 50 points. They win this game outright. They will be back on top once again. However, Leverkusen is on a 30-game, Brett, 30-game unbeaten run. This is an incredible Incredible run of form from a competitor to Munich down there in Germany for once. Bayern is favored in this match, despite uh, being second in the table and despite being the road team. They are plus 140. Leverkusen is plus 165. The draw is plus 270. Bayern at minus half a goal is plus 135 at Caesars. Leverkusen is minus 180. So I'm going to throw it over to you. I mean, as I mentioned, Leverkusen is in a 30-game unbeaten run, but they are missing Bonifacio for this match. And if you're just like tuning in and you're a World Cup fan or somebody like follows it casually, you'd look at the two starting lineups and you would not believe that Leverkusen is ahead of Bayern right now. As you would recognize nine of the 11 names, even as a casual on the Bayern team, and maybe two on Leverkusen. So how are they doing this? Do you like them in this matchup? Is this Xabi Alonso uh, magic on his way to Liverpool? Or do you think they could actually do the uh, borderline unthinkable and take down Bayern in Germany? Uh, there is clearly some type of magic going on from Alonso because, uh, Southampton legend, Nathan Tella was at wingback and scored two goals in one of the recent matches. Yeah, that was wild. Um, yeah. That is like what, what happened with Victor Moses on steroids. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I would actually take Victor Moses on steroids on Chelsea right now. <laughs> yes. I mean, that, Hey, uh, Victor Moses on steroids would be a beast. Don't, don't put that thought out there in the world. It might happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, this has been really impress- impressive from Leverkusen. They have a weird statistical profile. Um, they don't press a lot. They possess the ball a ton. They're very slow-paced team for the Bundesliga. I think part of it is Alonso kind of realizing that he can't go toe-to-toe with a, a club like Bayern if he just tries to, to play the same up-and-down uh, transition games that go on a lot in that league. And so he's really kind of instituted a, a a very different slow mold pep type of philosophy with they'll get the, they won't press aggressively when they win it back. It's slow circulation. It's slow moving up the field. And then they have the youngster in Florian Verts, who is one of the up and coming young attacking players in the world right now, um, kind of spearheading their attack. We mentioned Bonifacio. Uh, they have Patrick Schick that comes off the bench as a striker. Um, Frimpong uh, is, is one of their wingbacks normally instead of Nathan Tella. Uh, and then on the other side, they have Alex Grimaldo, who's was kind of a clever little buy. He's played for Benfica. He's a really good left back for them. It's kind of like buy a player from a team that was performing better than you um, is not a bad strategy. And they play him as like another wing back to kind of give him a little bit more attacking juice. And it's just worked like they're they're running. I mean, they are running hot. They are running 10 goals above expectation in their yeah. attack. So there is some luck. Byron's under Byron's underlying numbers are better than Leverkusen. But I think this this match is going to be even because you have to factor in that Kimmich is going to be out and Upamecano might is going to be out. So Byron are going to be down two pretty key players in in some key spots in center back. I mean Eric freaking Dyer is going to step into the center back role here for your boy Tommy Tuchel. So I mean there's a lot of reasons that this game could go match could go either way, but we watched Harry Kane for years at Spurs. And it, it, I mean, what was it, Toby? It was always Kane and son, son to Kane, some combination of the two. When is the third attacker going to come and, and make this, this a, a monster 
you know, three-headed monster instead of a two-headed monster. And they now are just being paired with this, you know, this young kind of okay kid named Jamal Musiala, <laughs> who's yeah. awesome. And one of the, another one of the best up and uh, young up and coming attackers in the world, who's still only 20, even though it feels like we've been talking about him ever since uh, his international allegiance debate was coming up, whether he's going to go to Germany or England. Um, and, but he is now the third member of that trio. And that is just scary <laughs> to think about. Leroy Sané has been incredible. Kane has ripped apart the Bundesliga as expected. So, I mean, there is just a ton of firepower in this uh, Bayern team. So I, I was, it was so hard to figure out who has an edge coming to this match. I just don't know which way are you leaning? Well, so the Super Bowl, right? Like you were harassing me last night to give my pick because we had to get our graphic up and I hadn't given it a whole lot of thought. So I just sat down and I like did the analysis in my head for 30 minutes, which one I actually want to put my name on. I want to put out into the world. Graphics going to be out there. This is the team that I back. And at the end of the day, I, I talked myself into the 49ers for 19 of the 20 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever it was. And at the end, I was like, am I really going to hold a ticket? for Brock Purdy over Patrick Mahomes. Am I really going to do this? Am I really like, of all the reasons I talked into it, at the end of the day, am I really going to take Purdy over Mahomes? And Leverkusen to me is, without Bonifacio, is if the entire plane is made out of Brock Purdy. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, I'm going to look at a Bayern team that has Kane and Musiala and Mueller and Sané and Delight and Neuer and like everybody else, and I'm going to take the other side. No, I am not. I know it makes me a bit of a square. I know it makes me a bit of a brand name uh, slut here. But if I'm getting plus money, I'm getting plus 145 to back all those guys out of the team that's made entirely out of Brock Purdy. They give me the Chiefs slash Bayern this weekend. Yeah, and to me that uh, that's kind of the same logic. I think I got I got caught by the sticker in front of the store too. I, it was seeing just how good Kane and Sane have been. I mean, this is this they might be a better version of Kane and Son, or better version. They of are Kane and Son ever were because, yeah. and part of the reason is is Son was just a really great finisher. He didn't do a ton of super creative stuff. Sané is like a great running mate for Kane to be the incredible goal scorer that he was. Kane almost has like kind of switched roles in a way. He used to be the guy that would drop deep and kind of take on extra creative responsibilities to play Son in. Now he's got this guy, Sané, who's doing that for him so he can spend more of his time in the box. And then, oh, by the way, Here's Jamal Musiala just hanging out on the left wing. Not bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we we're, we said his name enough times. It's like Beetlejuice. He's suddenly going to appear on the screen. But Harry Kane, uh, anytime goal is only minus 110. So, yes, if I'm going to watch this match – and I'm going to like sit down on Saturday and, and grind it out. Of course, I want money on Harry Kane. What are we talking about? The Bundesliga, he scored nine of the last 12, including a hat trick against Dortmund. And he scored it against Leipzig as well. So you can't say he's like a tap-in merchant or a flat track bully. He's doing it when they do have these games against their would-be rivals. And so I expect him to do it again. And the fact that he's only minus 110, I expected like him to get like the Holland treatment. I was thought I was going to log on and see like minus 180 or minus 200 to get a coin flip on it all day. Yeah, I, I'm kind of in the same bet of taking a, a Byron attacker. I, I didn't go the Harry Kane uh, goal scorer route, but I, I am going to go. I've talked about him a lot. I'm going to go with Musiala, and I'm going to steal a bet from you, man. This is I think this is the first time I've ever done this. Shot on target bet for Jamal Musiala. Ooh. So he averages just a sh uh, shade over two shots uh, per match. 
but almost half those shots, 0.92, end up on target anyways. And like I talked about, this isn't a super aggressive Leverkusen team, so it's not like they're going to really be suppressing shots a ton. They kind of just suppress it more with possession than they do when yeah. Bayern will have the ball. And we have seen Musial in the World Cup. We've seen him in the Champions League stage. He is so nifty at shifting into space and getting the ball on his foot. I think he's going to probably play up his two or, or so shots, especially if Byron go down early, which is a good possibility in this match. And so if he ends up getting to three or even gets to four shots off, he played 90 of the full 92 the last match as well, because they just don't have the attacking depth right now, especially Mueller is not a 90 minute player anymore. So if he's in the starting 11, he's getting subbed out. He's not going all 90 minutes. Um, so if Musiala gets up to three to four shots, this is definitely cashing. Um, but even if he doesn't, I like even if he gets to his two, I, I just feel like this this back three does not set up well for them to prevent him from getting a shot clean on target. Remind me the number on that. Uh, that number is plus 120, by the way. So you are getting yeah. a little a good juice on that. At plus 120, I love it. Uh, I think that's a great one. And I love less that you keep beating me in the five pint using my own guy against me. Freaking Cole Palmer, first goal scorer, <laughs> hits again for you at four and a half to one. So you're up 7.7 .7 to 3.8. Uh, as we continue to grind forward in our contest. So uh, February still got a lot, a lot of action left. I like my slate uh, quite a bit, and I'm concentrating mainly in two games. I'm going to go with Tottenham Brighton over 10.5 on the corner bet. Minus 105. You knew that was going to end up there. I'm also going to take that over, uh, over three and a half at plus 100. Tottenham, you know how I feel about that. All their games are automatic <laughs> overs, particularly against a Brighton team that is playing a very uh, similarly aggressive and poor defensive style. And then I am going to uh, hammer that Bundesliga game. So I'm going to take that Kane anytime goal at minus 110. And then I'm going to take one that I didn't even talk about yet because we'll do this in some future episode. Brett will do like the Toby Murgler rules in life. But one of them is obviously <laughs> if I'm watching a Bundesliga game, I am betting the over, sir. So Bundesliga over automatic bet over. Over three and a half is a plus number for the number one and number two goal scoring teams in the league. They combined to average 5.6 goals a match, and I'm getting over three and a half at plus 125. We'll round that out with City Win, both score at plus 175. So I got three plus numbers on the slate. Concentrated in bets, I really believe, in this weekend to catch up. Um, I, I I love this uh, the city win and both score bet because one of my pints is going to go on the over of three and a half goals. Um, so I you and I will be aligned a, a little bit on that one. That's plus one fifteen for me. Uh, I am going to trust the Marcus Rashford thing. I'm sure that one is probably where my Cole Palmer, you taking Cole Palmer away from me is where I go to die here. Uh, but that one was plus 260. Um, I'm taking the Arsenal clean sheet win. We've talked plenty about how that one just seems like a rat line. Um, and then the other one is I'm going to take the over. I'm, 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 you have just brainwashed me about Spurs. So I have to do this. I'm going to take the over of 1.5 team goals for Brighton at plus 120. Um, I, I mean, again, I can't, I, I feel like normally them, a team switching to a back three would make me sort of hesitant about an under, but maybe your boy Lamptey here is, and you just 
absolutely hammering Spurs every week has made me more bullish on this one. Um, I'm going to stay away from the Bayern Leverkusen money line, but I am going to sit on that Musiala shot on target bet for plus 120 for my fifth one and just see if I can keep this going, man. I'm kind of waiting for the bottom to fall off, and I feel I feel like you are aiding it by taking Cole Palmer away from me. Well, look, if I'm brainwashing you about Spurs, I'm watching you and Scrooge McDuck's money bid, and you're just diving in and washing <laughs> your brain in all this money that is falling down on your head that you're making by following me on Spurs bets, because I write about that fraud of a team, even though they're going to make the Champions League. Oh, God, it yeah, makes that, me so See, mad. you mentioned the, the fifth spot earlier in the episode. That that is going to be the karma is that fifth team is you're going to be watching Spurs in the Champions League next year. I'm I'm already well prepared my soul for that eventuality. <laughs> so heading into the weekend, I wish, I wish everybody could see the dejection on your face when you delivered that line. Oh, this oh. is one of the other rare times I wish that this was an all video format. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, go out, enjoy the Premier League games this weekend. Watch that incredible matchup in the Bundesliga. Watch the big game. And if you still have a little bit of energy after that Luton-Sheffield clash, tune into the Super Bowl and enjoy that as well. We talked about it all week on every other show, so you're not short on coverage. Come back and join us next week on all of our shows where we'll be recapping the Super Bowl, except for this one where we will get on with the business of the Premier League and yet another great week of action. So, Brent, anything you want to say before we log off? Uh, no, just good luck to you, sir. You always wish me bad luck on my bets. I'm going to try to reverse this whole thing you're going on and just kill you with kindness. Good luck on your bets, Toby. Worked on trendy last week as you like blessed every single thing I did and they all lost in the last minute. So I, I'm, everything, I'm everything I touch dies. The number one rule that, that should be another one of your Murgler rules in life is anything Brett touches dies. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would say we will be back with our usual interchange of horrible advice uh, backed by expert analysis, but instead we'll be back with more breath bets and teams that Brett kills. Cause everything Brett touches dies. Take care everyone. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.